Hi guys, Paul from the Innovation Community here. Today, I'm with Wahida Ali, Director of AI Controls and Advisory at Scotiabank. Great to have you with us. Hey, great to be here, thank you. So for those of the community who don't know, just tell us a bit about yourself in a few words. Um, sure. So um, I have an MBA from Pakistan um, and I've actually had a um, 20 plus years uh, career in financial services, retail lending, mostly in uh, risk and product management. Um, I've actually been really lucky to have a rich global career. I've worked with uh, product strategies in um, Australia, you know, UK, Europe overall, the Americas, um, and it's really been a very exciting journey. Um, I also, um, you know, I currently I'm working uh, with Scotiabank, uh, setting up their AI controls and advisory function. As uh, AI gets more and more um, into uh, our everyday, uh, you know, jobs, we want to make sure that we have some guardrails around it. And um, Scotiabank put out some principles around the responsible use of AI. And we recently um, had a uh, training uh, for trusted AI certification working with Queens and IEEE. So it's really exciting times um, from that perspective. On a personal note, um, you know, I'm married and I have uh, three beautiful kids and uh, I also like to be a part of uh, their life and lives of, you know, people in the community. So I'm part of their parent councils. I've also uh, been part of the, you know, vice chair of the employee giving campaign at work. So whatever we can do to, to give back to our community. That's fantastic. And where did your data career really start? Um, so, um, if you can believe it, uh, back in the 90s when I started working, um, you know, we really were working off of uh, tax returns and so on to get them to make credit decisions. So, when I moved to Canada in 95, uh, that's when I was introduced to the world of credit bureau and customer data. And it's been since then uh, that, you know, I realized the value of data and how we can actually use all the um, you know, uh, information at our uh, fingertips to make those decisions that previously would have been uh, next to impossible for a human being to do. Mm. And it sounds like you, you touched on it a little bit there, but what really interests you about working with data, you know, making that transition from the, the paper towards the, the, the more technical side of things? Yeah, so, um, you know, I really think that uh, data is uh, is the foundation of uh, all the decisions that we make today. And uh, it really allows us to um, get a flavor of, you know, what is the ideal uh, product that we want to offer the customer, understand the customer better. And by doing that, you know, not only can we satisfy the customer and uh, the customer experience becomes uh, flawless, but also the shareholders uh, of the corporation we are working for, as well as the employees, uh, have a lot more to work with today than we had in the past. So I really think that as more and more data is becoming available, uh, the opportunity is just uh, immense. Mm. Absolutely. Now, throughout your tenure, what are some of the major successes that you've achieved throughout your career? Um, so, um, I guess going to the academics, um, you know, I had, uh, I got a bronze medal from my uh, business uh, program that I did at, uh, at the Institute of Business Administration in Pakistan. I also had uh, secured the first position 
um, for the banking diploma uh, from the Institute of Bankers in Pakistan. So um, academically, um, you know, I was, uh, I guess you could always say a, a nerd for lack of a better word. Um, but uh, from a career perspective as well, you know, I've uh, really uh, felt great about uh, the global implementations that I've done. So I've been able to take strategies from country to country, you know, and given that every country has a different, um, you know, regu regulatory background as well as different systems and processes, it really has given me a great sense of uh, accomplishment uh, to be able to, uh, you know, make those uh, executions from the design of the strategy uh, using the data and you know the then the customer as well as the competitive information available and then kind of make taking it through execution um, and uh, you know recently also um, you know I felt uh, we developed an in-house optimization methodology which I really uh, felt great about because the the results that we could get out of that uh, methodology were very similar to uh, you know some of the vendor available off-the-shelf products so that not only enabled us to do some cost savings uh, but also enabled us to be in control of um, of the use of that methodology, so we could customize it. We could make any changes we wanted, as and when um, you know we are working on a particular initiative. So um, that really enabled um, you know us to be more in control, um, and also provided the teams um, the ability to uh, feel good about an in-house product that they had developed. That's a, a good point to bring up. I mean, you mentioned that it was empowering for the teams. How do you engage and communicate with the team in terms of your management style? Or what approaches do you take that you find are successful? Yeah, so, um, you know, there, it really uh, sometimes there needs to be uh, tailored to the individuals on your team. So if you have a very, you know, a new person get fresh out of school, you may need to be more, um, you know, hands-on with them and be more specific in terms of uh, providing them guidance and support. But if you have more, as you have more and more seasoned uh, people on your team, you want to make sure that while you're giving them some high level direction, you do want to allow them to grow within themselves and come up with ideas and approaches on how to best solve a particular issue um, or what are the latest techniques available that they could use um, to come up with uh, with their, uh, solve their problems, right? So I really do prefer, um, you know, a very, um, whereas the, you know, the accountability always rests with me. I do want to make sure that my team feels responsible and accountable for their own specific initiatives. So, and in that, I really do feel that it enables the team to grow um, and think on their own. Um, and that, you know, you are developing leaders in a way. So each individual should feel empowered to make their own decisions and then come up with recommendations without feeling any, um, you know, any, any limitations um, for, for their, uh, for the work that they're doing. Mm. And you ha it sounds like you, you've kind of mastered the approach to the different styles of people, the different expertise. How do you engage and communicate those collective ideas with the senior leadership team? Yeah, so um, I, do, I do think that, you know, uh, again, the leadership team um, is uh, depends on their own individual style. So generally, um, as a rule of thumb, what I like to do is make sure that, um, you know, it's as concise as possible. So what would the leaders be interested in hearing? Um, and how do I best represent my team in the results that we are sharing? So the more uh, precise and concise you can be, um, making sure that the gist of the message is communicated in as uh, least of a, 
of time and words as possible. I think that really works. Secondly, I also want to make sure that I'm always keeping them abreast and giving them heads up uh, if there are any, you know, good or bad news coming up, right? So you do, you want to avoid surprises uh, at all times uh, as much as you can. So the more you can keep them in the loop and give them heads up as and when needed, I think it really goes a long way. Um, because you might need additional resources, you might need additional time, or you might have a great, um, you know, um, technology or thing that you have come up with, and you want to make sure that your your leadership is abreast of it. So you'd rather keep them in the loop than them hearing from elsewhere, um, you know, what's going on in the team. Mm. It sounds like the uh, speci specifically at your organization, there's a lot of um, open communication, which is great. Where do you see the biggest opportunity for improvement within your own organization right now? Um, so overall, I would say, um, you know, and, um, you know, not specifically to my organization today, but even historically, you know, as I've been working in many different uh, parts of the world, what I've seen is that what works well is to ensure that all the different areas of the organization are working towards a common goal. So uh, one of the challenges that I've seen is that, you know, um, if you're on the risk side, the product team has conflicting goals. And then if you have conflicting goals, then it's very hard to come up with the same solution. So I think uh, it's very, been uh, very critical uh, to ensure that the goals are common among the different teams that are coming together to, uh, to achieve an objective. And while you may have controls, a specific or, you know, specific team related goals that you may have, you still want to make sure that the overarching goals are the same. So as an example, if you are trying to enhance profitability, um, well, you know, the risk team may have to say, okay, yes, that is the profitability goal, but we, we have to do it within our risk appetite, right? And then the product team may say, okay, that's our common profit, profitability goal, but we want to ensure that we have um, X revenue and, uh, and Y balances and so on. So you may have specific goals, but as long as you have overarching common goals, I really do think you, it helps you speak the same language and come up with common solutions. Mm. That's, a, that's a great, um, great piece of advice from you. My next question, what's the best piece of advice that you ever received that really helped you out through, through your career? Um, yeah, so, um, you know, uh, my parents always told me that uh, whatever is worth doing is worth doing well. So, um, you know, you want to make sure that if, if you are doing something, you are the best one at it. And if it's not something that you're good at, then find something you're good at, right? Every individual has something that they, are, that they can be good at. So make sure that you find that and then give it your best. Um, and also, um, you know, one of my elementary school teachers always said that, you know, if you you aim for distinction, you pass. If you aim to pass, you fail. So, you know, it's basically always aim high, aim for the high, or aim for the best. And unless you don't try, you will never know if you can succeed, or you will never even get it if you don't even aim for it, right? So I think that's something that uh, I really followed through my career and uh, professionally and personally, and it's really helped me. Great. And especially in this current climate, what are you curious about right now? Um, you know, uh, as we were, as we were saying, like in this time of, uh, you know, with the, with the coronavirus, I really do, um, 
want to see if there's anything AI and technology can do to help us expedite the research, expedite the you know a solution for the human uh, well-being. And um, it is it is very trying times, and I really do hope that that uh, we all come out of it uh, successfully. And uh, you know, the, I do worry about the human impact. I do worry about the economic impact when, uh, coming up. Um, and let's see what each and every one of us can do to uh, to help uh, mitigate that. Mm. I think if we if we act as a community collectively, we can actually we can actually beat this thing. Uh, on that topic, actually, uh, what's your top working from home tip? Because that's something that's really prevalent right now. Yes, um, I do think that ensuring that um, you know you have a quiet space um, where um, and making sure that the, you know the kids are all set up to do their own thing so they don't interrupt uh, and if you have your quiet space I really do think you can be more productive um, than uh, than at work sometimes because at work people you know sometimes step in and and you have those interruptions which you don't uh, get at home so I really do think that you can be much more productive if you have a quiet space if you stick to a schedule and uh, make sure that uh, you don't have, you know, don't take it easy. Like you need to make sure that you're ready and dressed and at work at nine o'clock, if it only means going from your bedroom to your study, um, but continue to be disciplined. And I really think uh, we can make this work. And it's actually pretty amazing how we've been able to do it over the last week or so, so seamlessly. Um, you know, I, obviously in some areas, um, depending on your function and what you do, it, it is more uh, trying and challenging. But uh, in other areas, um, I really do think stay, use other means, technology to stay connected uh, because you don't want to isolate yourself either um, because you do need you know, interaction with the colleagues to get your results. But, um, I, but I think we can make it work and uh, together you know, we can accomplish, uh, accomplish what, we're, what we have ahead of us. Absolutely. Who's your favorite thought leader or author or influencer in this space right now? Um, so, um, you know, um, being, uh, being a woman in uh, technology and, um, and really in the, in the business world overall, I've been uh, inspired by Inver Nui, who was, uh, you know, the CEO of Pepsi. So come in, she has a South Asian background and a working uh, mom, right? So I think uh, that she's really been an inspiration for me and I listen to her, um, you know, her suggestions and advice and, you know, her five C's of leadership and so on. So I really do think that there's so much uh, women can do. Um, I do. And I do feel that you can accomplish everything uh, that you put your mind to. So when uh, you want to be a good example role model for your children as well as well as your team members. So um, she's been uh, she's uh, been someone I've been following. That's fantastic. And uh, her story is uh, is one from the, the, the traditional rags to riches as well. So it's, it's really good to hear that. It's not the first time it's come up on the podcast. Uh, what is your favorite quote? Um, so uh, the, one of my favorite quotes actually is, um, is really working hard for something we don't care about is called stress. And uh, working hard for something we love is called passion. Um, so I really do think if you are you know, if you're working really, really hard, um, but you're enjoying it, you, you don't feel the stress, right? So um, I really do believe that if you're passionate about something, there is no stress. And last question, what advice would you have for aspiring women in technology? 
Um, I would say that, um, you know, it is very important uh, as you, uh, you know, power, use the power of data and you uh, harness the power of data, make sure that um, it is grounded ethically. I really do think that ethical use of data and AI is, uh, is critical to, uh, to you being successful in, in using it uh, because, um, you know, an output of uh, AI can only be as good as accepted in society. And that will only happen if, uh, you know, if people trust uh, what, what you are doing, right? As long as there's credibility in, uh, in your output, um, you will benefit, your employees will benefit, your customers will benefit, and eventually the shareholders will benefit. So um, you cannot, uh, even if it's not a federally regulated bank like, like my bank, uh, regardless, whatever, wherever you are in whichever part of the industry, you want to ensure that your data and AI use is grounded in ethics. Great. That was Wahida Ali, Director of AI Controls and Advisory at Scotiabank. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Take care.